7 o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? I know we're going to agree on quite a bit, but I'm, I'm hopeful we can find at least a couple of things to do a friendly point counterpoint with just to make it interesting, you know? Yeah. And, you know, worst case scenario is we don't disagree on something and what whatever. But yeah, I, I am always down to have conflicting views. I feel like I should tell you, since this is your first time on the show, I start recording as soon as the phone starts ringing, but I don't necessarily use it all. Yeah, that's cool, man. We do the same thing. Um, I listen to so many podcasts, dude. I first got into, I, I don't know about you, man, but the first podcast I really listened to, I did a search for horror, and I ended up on this crazy fucking thing called The Midnight Horror Show. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, Darren. Hmm. <laughs> I think I think I know what you're talking about, and I think I can tell you... That we are planning on coming back again. So I've heard 17,000 times in the last three years. So we'll right. see what happens. Yeah, we'll, I'll reserve we'll judgment. <laughs> well, Duncan was in the States. I don't know if you saw. He he went and he visited Danny, Danny Trioxin. Awesome. And they got shit hammered and planned the return of the show. I'm hopeful. I'm excited. Uh, look 
look towards the new year. Uh, that might be a little hint on the Midnight Horror Show Facebook page. Nice. All right, cool. Everybody, welcome to another Psycho Semanticast. Welcome, first-time guest. Is it Langford? Lance you Langford. Yep. Of the Horror Returns podcast. You didn't come up with a separate name for your new series of Westerns, right? That's a side series within the Horror Returns. Oh, man, thanks for asking about that, because that's kind of our labor labor of love right now. Because uh, needless to say, there's a lot of horror podcasts out there, some better than others. But, you know, there's a couple that I've gravitated toward to go back to our earlier conversation there's about six that i listen to every week <laughs> but there's you know six thousand more probably um, but i didn't see any for westerns out there so uh for now we're calling it the horror returns presents saddle up and we're doing it like once a month and as of recording you've put out your first episode of that yeah we did uh let's see we talked about uh high noon from 1950 we went way back man we talked about 1952's high noon and then we talked about uh uh bone tomahawk i think a lot of people that are into horror movies like westerns but bone tomahawk might be some people's gateway drug into the western world yeah that uh you've seen it of course right oh yeah yeah that sound that uh that the troglodytes were making toward the end there when they were going into battle mode I remember watching it, and my wife was asleep, and that uh, that troglodyte started in with that. You know, you could hear the the sound he was making, the yelling from having the bone in his throat, and yeah. uh, she just bolted upright in bed and said, "What the fuck are you watching?" <laughs> like, oh, you might want to start at the beginning with this. And she did, man. That's uh, to her credit, man. She's she does not like horror movies at all. I couldn't have picked a worse genre um, <laughs> for my wife to like join me watching the movies so she she watches very little of what we do for the regular podcast but she uh she watched it with me man and she really enjoyed it it's just got a great cast you know it's a really oh, yeah. uh they, they play off each other really well wonderful and you sir we've we've been talking a little bit and we were trying to figure out what would be the best thing and you know everybody if you're brand new to the show i like to let my guests Pick something that they actually want to talk about. So we are doing, as we have, I think, said already, the 2013 movie Snowpiercer, which is I did not know until this week when I started looking into it a little bit that it was based off a graphic novel. It felt like it, but it's based off the French graphic novel La Transpersonage. Is my... <laughs> Your French uh, pronunciation is about as good as mine, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I pronounce French like somebody who took Spanish. Uh, by Jacques Loeb, Benjamin Legrand, and Jean-Marc Rocher. That's pretty good, man. Well, thank you. Since, you. since this is your first time on here, I'm sure you've heard me put other people through this a couple times. What got you into podcasting? And secondly, your sort of political path. Yeah, dude. Um, actually, I really appreciate the invite because um, if you do listen to our show, one one thing that you'll hear me say several times is uh, we we very purposefully and strategically stay away from uh, you know politics on on our podcast. It's that's just our choice. Yeah, you know, it's just a personal choice because uh, you know we like to stick to 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 keeping. We're we're trying to give everybody an escape 
for an hour, hour and a half a week, you know, away from all the bullshit headlines and stuff like that. Your show obviously has a, you know, has a place that's probably more important now than ever. Uh, so, yeah, man, I appreciate the invite. It'll be fun to finally, you know, let loose a little bit and, and talk about some things. Um, like I said, I started listening to podcasts um, probably with like Midnight Horror Show. And uh, there was a there was a podcast called uh, the Joe Blow Movie Show. And uh, that was back in the day, and they had one called uh, Blood, Bullets, and Broads, which is called uh, the Arrow in the Head podcast. And they focused on horror and action movies. So, um, yeah, you, uh, those are pretty much the three that I started listening to because I was, you know, really tired of listening to just like sports radio or top 40. Um, my musical choice is progressive rock, specifically uh, British and European progressive rock. Um, you know, a lot of stuff from the seventies and eighties. So good luck finding any of that shit on American radio. Um, <laughs> so yeah, man, podcasting, uh, podcasts were the answer for me, dude. It was like, I discovered like-minded individuals, a bunch of other geeks that are talking about, you know, Star Trek and, uh, Freddy Krueger instead of, you know, last night's, uh, bear score or whatever. And then as far as what got me into doing podcasting, uh, my, my buddy Brian that's on the podcast with me, um, he and I used to message quite a bit through uh, Facebook. We actually met each other through um, Binge Media Group, which is formerly the guys from Joe Blow. Uh, they quit doing the podcasting for that, and Joe Blow is just a movie site now. Um, but we, we met through that, and uh, we were like both one night just happened to be watching the same horror movie on some fucking random cable TV, cable cha cable access channel or something. And uh, we just started kind of messaging about it. We're like, fuck, you're watching that too? Oh, awesome, you know. You know what? We ought to do a podcast one day. Yeah, well, anyway, we you know, let that idea simmer for about a year or so. And then finally we said, you know what? We got to do this. And I got to give credit to my wife, man. She, uh, she, she, know, she knows I always wanted to be a writer. And she's so frustrated with me that I'll never sit down and actually write. It's like <laughs> I talk about it and I've got all these ideas, but I never – flesh them out and uh so she's like god damn it you're fucking doing this podcast <laughs> it was my birthday and she bought me a uh surface surface pro laptop and a microphone and my daughter uh Kristen, bought me a microphone to go with it so man i was all set so i was like hey brian do you want to go ahead and get this thing started and we're thinking you know, it would be cool to have like a third host you know usually because when you just got two people on the show it's just not the same. It wasn't the dynamic we were looking for. We were looking for closer to what you guys were doing at um, uh, TMHS, you know, where you've kind of got not not a committee necessarily, but, you know, at least at least three or more people. It's funny. My wife has a really good friend, Rose, that she worked with. And Rose's husband is Philip. And I've never really had friends outside of just, you know, hey, how do you do at work? And those fuckers I usually can't wait to get away from and get back home. <laughs> But uh, for some reason, Philip and I really hit it off. But I never thought he would—he had that geek mentality. I didn't know he was a big sci-fi and horror nerd. And then the next thing you know, we start talking about this shit. I said, dude, you want to join in? And as they say, the rest is history, man. <laughs> kind of uh, strange the way it turned out. Um, I was I was raised um, in, a, in a strange situation. My mom was incredibly uh, liberal. And, um, you know, a lot of compassion, a lot of feeling for other people. 
one thing I love I love her for is she always taught me that racism and sexism just really don't have any place. You know that be belittling people because of their choices or the way they are or the way or even the way they're born is just the height of ridiculousness. So I love her for that. My dad, on the other hand, was like uber conservative, <laughs> and then my later stepdad was super conservative. So I thought that was really interesting. But as as far as my own personal views, um, I guess I'm I would I, you would say I'm closest to uh, traditional libertarian and i don't mean these libertarians that have kind of been kidnapped by the religious right i i consider myself sort of an old school conservative and when i say conservative i think that we should conserve our natural resources we we should conserve the wildlife you know that's been you know that's been put on the planet around us we should respect all life forms personal liberty above all should be the most important driving force in any of our decisions, and I think anybody should be able to do anything they want to do. They should be able to live any lifestyle they want, and if there's repercussions because they did something that hurt somebody else, well, then they're going to have to deal with it, you know, and I think that uh, obviously there has to be some crime and punishment, but I think it's way out of control. I think our jails are filled with people who are the vic- well, who are, who, who are involved in victimless crimes, what I would call that. Um, I think our military is bloated to the point where our national debt's never going to get under control if we don't start being literally conservative about this stuff. And what's funny is that the current quote-unquote Republican Party, it's like they've become anything but conservative. They're more free-spending than these quote-unquote communist liberals ever were. And um, I just – I'm not really in lockstep with any of that. Um, but I do feel that taxes uh, are, are are way too – I think tax systems way too complicated. Um, I think the tax system needs to be simplified, and if a lot of CPAs are out of, out of a job, so be it. But I think there should be a per-use per tax on everything. Um, I'm not a huge proponent of out-of-control payments to people who've been injured and things like that. I think um, you know, family and friends has to come in somewhere on those type of things. Um, but there are two things that I'm to a point where I'm, I would say I'm almost communist on. <laughs> um, and that would be education and health. And the reason that I feel that way is because I, I personally think that we are doing our country a big disservice by not doing more early um, health care. And I'm not talking about all this advertising that's for, you know, convinces people to drink all these 78 ounce cokes and get diabetes i'm talking about better education to make people understand what that's doing to them from an early age um and i also i feel like any country that doesn't take care of its own people first is is a failed country um and as far as education i think that education as high as you want to go should be totally supported by the taxes of the entire base um, but I do think you need to qualify for that. I don't think you should be able to just arbitrarily say, well, I'm just going to go sit in college classes and check out these hot college chicks for, you know, 40 years. I think you should have to, you know, meet certain parameters to qualify for that education. But I do think we need to make ourselves more competitive with the rest of the uh, world. So, you know, that that's that's me in a nutshell, man. That's that's my basic thoughts on on politics. And, you know, if if we had a more socialized medicine and education, that would probably reduce the massive health care costs. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's self-evident, man. I mean, yeah. I don't see how that could not help that. And 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 when I talk about welfare, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about you know a check for someone who's living in, you know, a shack that was passed down through generations and they can barely keep the rain from coming in and that type of thing. There's a great amount of corporate welfare. There's at least two senators. The lowest net worth between them is about $3 million, and they're both applying for farm subsidies. You know, those farm subsidies are a killer, man, especially with all the corn and sugar and all the stuff that's just so bad for us being subsidized like that. Very little nutritional value in corn, <laughs> and yet that's like the main thing that's being subsidized. That and what? Soybeans, right? Soybeans. Well, and especially with the, the tariffs and everything in this uh, trade war that's fun and easy to win, according to uh, resident Trump. Right now, the U.S. government is borrowing money from China to pay farmers not to sell stuff to China. To China. That's so crazy, man. It's the fuck, man. And they just today, as of recording, they uh, just backed out of some treaty with Iran from 1955. We were talking about military budget. This year it was over $600 billion. And John Bolton is trying to get us into as many wars as possible. Well, there's nothing. I mean, Darren, there's nothing wrong with, you know, having a strong enough force to protect your people because there's going to be you know, lunatics out there, some are some from without, maybe some from within. Uh, you know, obviously we have to have some sort of a, you know, a military that's capable of protecting its people. But yeah, man, it's so out of control, man. It's the budget for the military. I'm, I'm, I'm going to estimate is probably what three or 400 times what it probably should be just to keep us safe. I mean, ridiculously so, man. And uh, obviously, you know, you know, I'm a big sci-fi and Star Trek guy, so I'm a huge proponent of space exploration. And I just think it's kind of sad that most of our smartest minds in exploration right now are having to come from the, uh, you know, the 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 private uh, front <laughs> instead of us, you know, shoring up uh, our internal National uh, Aeronautic and Space Administration and you know groups like that. Instead, we're talking about some phony you know, space force that may or may not ever happen. Yep, we've got a starship troopers all over the place. But I think all the things that we've talked about really feed into Snowpiercer. And I don't I don't know if we just want to give the basic summary of the movie and then go into all the side tangents that come from the basic plot of the movie. We're going to keep talking the way we are, which is totally fine. I like to tailor it towards my guests. You're you're more used to structure. So uh, what do you feel like? Yeah, well, that's see, that's one thing I like about listening to your show is because you ne you never know where it's going to go. You guys may spend an hour of the show talking about the movie or you may literally spend five minutes of the show talking about the movie. <laughs> um, the, the, the reason that because uh, you had given me a couple of choices, the reason I picked Snowpiercer is because I think it deals with 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 probably one of the biggest challenges that we as a human race are going to have to overcome if we ever hope to survive and, you know, be able to explore other planets and, 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 and move past where we are right now. And that's, uh, you know, this ridiculous uh, notion of uh, income disparity. Um, because you see in a lot of these, it's really easy for us to laugh at these countries and say, ah, oh, they're just third world. You know, they've got, you know, leaders in place that are really taking advantage of all the people. They don't have the technology we do. They're they're savages, so to speak, you know? 
Um, but fuck, dude, it's happening right here, man, and it's getting worse and worse. And this income inequality is just like it's got to be the most dangerous concept of all to the the, the biggest enemy of freedom, man. Because what it's going to end up doing is it's going to give you a very small amount of people that can actually afford to protect themselves, and then you're going to have a whole a whole bunch of other people that are, you know, scrambling for whatever they can get, and you know, as, as happened in the movie, literally cannibalizing and things like that. You know, I mean, that's not really that far fetched. No, this could be around the corner. And that that's one of the best parts of sci-fi is they sort of ex- examine accelerated exploration of an idea of what could happen because and that's probably part of the things that separates you from the the new school libertarians is that you care about wealth disparity (laughs) well it's just if you think about it man it can't a system like that can't sustain itself for any period of time there's going to be an uprising and an overthrow of some sort um, and you know what really scares me is we've got something now we didn't we didn't have a hundred years ago, and that's nuclear weapons. Yep, they're and getting smaller and easier to transport every day. Absolutely, man, and and all all these other things that that people that that I mean, with technology's awesome. I love technology. Like I said, I'm a huge science fiction geek. I'm a big science nerd. Um, but it could be used for good or or bad, you know. And um, unfortunately. When you put more and more people into these desperate situations, they start doing desperate things, you know, because they've got nothing to live for anymore. Um, I'm a I'm a huge fan. Like I said, I think the tax code should be uber simplified. I would have no problem paying a toll for every single road I drive on. I would have no problem for paying a surtax on every single item, even like milk and bread that I get from the grocery store. Um, if it would, if they would simplify the tax code, if they would take all these loopholes out for the ultra rich, for the corporations, for the churches, you know, things like that. And, um, just kind of get like a flat tax type thing. I, I think, and I've got no problem with people get having the right to earn and make a really, really good living. But, you know, you look at, you know, not to pick on the medical profession here in the States or big pharma. Um, Because obviously they're doing some very good things for people, but, you know, it's gotten to the point now where, uh, and and I know a lot of it's because they're having to pay these exorbitant insurance rates with litigation, things like that, but it's really almost kind of gotten to the point where, you know, it doesn't really feel like people are getting into medicine to do no harm anymore, you know, to follow the the protocol they're supposed to be of helping people. They're, They're doing it to get rich. Get a nice trophy wife, you know, have a nicer car, a nicer house and security and all this. I mean, how how much is too much? And then, you you know, not to go on too much of a of a rant here, but, you know, you look at a lot of these CFOs with these companies. I mean, hell, look what happened with Enron. I know you've seen the documentary, The Smartest Guys in the Room. You know, I mean, there's just got to be some way to pe- people just need to be nice to each other, man, and be human and and and. I'm not saying be communist, but for crying out loud, put some caps and limits on this stuff. Doctors still aren't impoverished in countries where the healthcare systems are more reined in. But here, yeah, here in the States, since we we talked a little bit about what we might be covering and then watching Snowpiercer, and it's, I mean, even at the end, it's got that whole analogy about the, the train is society. You know, you've sure. got the people in the caboose. 
and you know at least the way they like it is you're predestined if you're a shoe you're gonna be a fucking shoe but the wealth disparity like you were talking about in uh the usa ceo pay is 271 times the average worker pay and then unbelievable man in 1978 this is what you've been talking about it getting worse and worse in 1978 it was 30 times and that's plenty that's a lot in uh in japan it's 11 to 1 in germany it's 12 to 1 in france it's 15 to 1 if you want to go higher in canada it's 20 to 1 britain is 22 to 1 and then it goes a little i think in mexico it's 47 to 1 and it, it just goes this is all from politifact Dot com if anybody wants to check it out but yeah the ceo to average worker pay and it's ceo and the higher brackets have been going up and up and up and i mean people are excited about the 15 dollars minimum wage but that's that's a minimum wage I, I sometimes i think there should be a maximum wage like you were saying or that's yeah. not like you were saying but you know as sure. a way to maybe cap that as not, if you're not, gonna... a, not a bad not a bad idea, man. If there's a minimum wage, why shouldn't there be a maximum wage, right? When you've got so much, it's just Scrooge McDuck and Smog from fucking Hobbit. You're just laying on your gold coins, and we're all breathing the same shitty air. And there's gonna be the revolt of the seven, which it had been a while since I had seen Snowpiercer, uh, and I only saw it once. The ending. I think we're going to talk a little bit about the ending when we get to it. So it's basically around now. The government uses some, there's like some chemical and it just basically kills the earth. New ice age. Yeah, because they're trying, they're trying to do a quick fix to global warming. Yeah. Which, uh, newsflash, there is no quick fix to global warming. And the current administration um, saying that, hey, we're too far gone anyway. Why worry about it? Let's just keep, you know, pumping and 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 digging <laughs> i don't know if that's the answer man i think i think if we were to all focus on it together i think we probably could make some improvements i mean at some point it's going to happen um whether we have any influence on it or not because if you look at your uh you know history of the world obviously there's ice ages and you know and ages of of, of desert and stuff like that but that's another reason i think we ought to be spending a little bit more money on the space program so that when that time does start coming, you know, we, we at least have a couple of options. You know what I mean? You know, colonize Mars, do some total recall. It's a start. Uh, yeah. Get your, get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. Hey, that sounded good, man. <laughs> we could have used you on our predator episode a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Philip was horrible, dude. That was the worst Arnold impression I've ever heard. <laughs> I didn't think it was bad, but I did think mine was possibly a little bit better. But as a musician, I've had a hell of a lot of restaurant jobs, especially before I went to college. Right. And there was one kitchen where I worked where that was the thing, you know, but among the crew, we did Arnold at each other. No way. Yeah. So there's just like a lot of, come on, give me the fries. And... You sound just like him, man. <laughs> you may have a second career budding here, man. <laughs> I love that we can go on tangents here, but I forgot where I was going. Uh, well, I know we were talking about the movie at ah. some point. So, yeah, uh, the government with their quick fix. And that. speaking of Arnold, see, this is how we bring it back. 
he right? is now a big he is a little bit more of the old school Republican. I call the new Republicans right, right. regressives instead of conservatives. Oh, I like that. I've never identified with the conservative or the Republican Party in my entire life. I also don't always identify with the Democrats. I haven't. The mm-hmm. only time I ever registered as a poli- in a political party was when they were trying to make the Green Party an officially recognized political party here in Ohio. Oh, and, right on. And okay. they needed more people. So I registered for that. And then I, I don't know. I don't think I'm in it anymore, but it's, it's a recognized party. There we go with that. But, you know, the Republicans that I remember from as early as I was learning about politics aren't like these people that I consider lunatics today. They are more like the Snowpiercer people who mm-hmm. want the caboose full of pick and choose chattel that, oh, we'll take your kid because they're useful to us. Oh, you can play the violin. You'll be useful to us. We might need you at some point, so we're going to feed you these protein bars, some Soylent Green, or at least that's, <laughs> you know, sort of, cl- it's it's the shock, they're shocked when they find out what it what it is, but the people at the bottom that they keep in place with threats of violence. Mm-hmm. And after a while, yeah, the people will build their guillotines or barrel battering rams, as it were. And so in the movie, what is his name? Curtis? Yes. Talking about Captain America? Yes. And do you, and do you think that was by design, that they happened to choose that actor for that role? I think so, but I also think he might have gone for it because he seems to. Yeah. He's very politically active, at least and now. He, and he's played a lot of different roles, man. I remember one movie, I can't remember what it was called, but he actually played uh, like a closet junkie fighting for the rights of uh, drug addicts and stuff like that. Um, or was it AIDS victims? I can't remember, dude. I'm trying to remember the movie he was in, but it. I was like, I watched it and I was like, wow, that was a pretty goddamn mo- good movie. And then I'm like, wait a minute. That was fucking Captain America. Fuck. I, if I can remember the name of the movie, I will. Maybe maybe somebody can look it up for us. But um, yeah, he was one of those. He he was an attorney, and he seemed like he had a really you know cool persona. But he was a closet junkie. I think it's called Puncture. That that is a movie that he's in. I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, okay, this guy's got some range. You know, he's not just Captain America. He can play all kinds of different roles. So. Uh, anyway, didn't mean to take us off on a tangent there. Yeah, Puncture was 2011, right before Captain America: The First Avenger came out. I don't know. I I got the feeling when I was watching the, rewatching this movie, I felt like I was pretty sure that because he's in that movie Captain America and in the Avengers movies, he stands up for what America could be at its finest. And I that's why I kind of thought they might have picked him for this role, but eh, I may be off. Who knows? No, no, I I have a lot more faith in non-American, non-Hollywood films to make those choices. I I think they would think about it more. He seems like a really cool guy. He likes, you know, to visit with his, you know, sick fans. And Mm -hmm. uh, he's I'm I'm not really on Twitter that much, but I follow him and he, you know, he has a lot of interesting things to say about compassion and activism and you know, standing up for what is right. He seems like he's as much Captain America as 
you know, or maybe more so. Maybe more so, man. Yeah. And yeah, he's he's the sort of reluctant hero that knows that something has to be done and he's got the hasn't made the best choices in his past that we find out later. Mm-hmm. I think that what this movie is five years old and I guess we'll say spoiler alert. We can bounce around through here, but you know, mm-hmm. we find out later, but he wasn't as much of a selfless person or, okay. but yeah, what did he say after he was 17? He was 17 when the world went to shit and he gets, they barely got on the train, he said. Right. And then all of a sudden, the the top tier took all their shit. And after a month, we ate the week. Well, and... you know what? De- yeah, that's that desperation, man. Yeah. You know? you gotta, uh, that, that, human, that human survival mode, right? People will do a lot to survive. And it's the people, as we see further on down the train... That make more calculated, cold choices. Yeah, that's true. I can see it that way. Um, and then by the time you get to uh, you get to Wilford, um, you know, you find out he's kind of he's he's kind of a madman, right? Yeah, which yeah. is not a surprise. <laughs> and then you get that other twist, which I still don't know how to feel about that that big twist. Um, let me let me ask you this: Did you get the vibe at all? I mean, it, I wouldn't really call this steampunk necessarily, but did you ever get that throwback feel, uh, like with all the Wilford Industries um, and all the uh, the moving parts and the clockwork type parts on the train? Did you ever get that Anne Rand throwback type feel to that? I got something. I, I was trying to place it, and that's probably as good of a descriptor as any. If technology was as advanced, if we were in the Star Trek world, as we see, which is more socialist and less capitalist, there aren't starving, dying people stuck on a dead planet. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got, yeah, Wilford, the steampunk Ayn Rand Willy Wonka. <laughs> Great way to put it. <laughs> that, you know, you go through this crazy trip through his chocolate factory and the person who makes it to the end is offered the controls wow i did not even catch all that on the second viewing darren <laughs> pretty <laughs> awesome dude <laughs> well so would that make tilda swinton uh uh what's his name from willy wonka the dude that was uh like always showing up that were the coke bottle glasses slugworth yeah, there you go. Does that make Tilda Swinton's character Slugworth? Very well could be. <laughs> Curtis, Charlie, that's even close. Um, oh, no, too close. <laughs> Grandpa Joe gets double tapped to the side of the head, though, in this one. John <laughs> Grandpa, Hurt. <laughs> Grandpa Joe was might or might not have been as, as much the, the, kind, the kindly old grandpa as we thought he was, huh? True. I mean, I, I remember seeing something about Willy Wonka where they thought that he was faking it because yeah. of how quick he got out of bed. Yeah, and he always wanted a piece of that chocolate, didn't he? He always wanted to get his fair share of the golden ticket, didn't he? We're on to you, Grandpa oh, Joe. Oh, man. 
And I, I do wow. like the song. I like the song in this better. We're like, what happens when the engine stops? We all freeze and die. Allison Pill, uh, the teacher. Yes. She was great, man. Oh, you she watched was American amazing. Horror Story? Yes. <laughs> She's something else, man. Yeah, that was such a cool song. And it's better than the Cheer Up Charlie song or whatever that uh, right? that the mom sings. But I think, yeah, this is a dystopian steampunk and Rand Willy Wonka or Charlie wow. and Chocolate Factory. Yeah, I love it, dude. I love it. We're, we're really getting in, getting deep into this can we talk about the Kavanaugh stuff a little bit? Yeah, we can definitely talk about Kavanaugh. Um, I don't know about you, but if someone's going to be one of one of the top judges in the country, I would like them to be impartial and not quite so, um, you know, passionate about defending themselves and, you know, trying to look like they're right and everybody else is wrong. I would hope they'd be a little bit more open to both sides of the argument, wouldn't you? That, yes. I mean, I think that there are five or six women that have accused him of being a lecherous fucker in high school is bad. But also his rage, his I mean, he's lied about big things and little things in front of Congress. And as you were talking about a little bit, uh, the even tempered, even keeled that you would hope that somebody that is on the highest court the top tier of the third supposedly independent arm of our government should not in written remarks. This wasn't even him flying off the handle and improvising. This was in his written remarks. He says, it's all the Democrats. It's about the Clintons. It's, uh, you know, the liberal conspiracy out to get him. There's gonna be payback. And yelling, yelling down senators, that is not the temperament of an even-keeled nonpartisan judge. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't think so. It, 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 definitely, it definitely scares me, man. I was, uh, I was definitely willing to be open-minded about it because, quite frankly, you know, I, 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 know, I know we love to, and when I say we, I mean the entire world, we, we love to laugh at Trump because he's obviously, you know, he, he, he's a clown. Yeah, he's I mean, a make no mistake, he's 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 you know, and and I think a lot of it he's doing just for attention. But you know, he has made some decisions in the past that almost seem like he's trying to be impartial. So I was kind of willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. But when I saw, yeah, when I saw the way he reacted to all that, I'm like, this is not the kind of guy I want being one of a a very few select group of people that's supposed to have the final say in in laws governing our country. In a lifetime appointed seat. That's real scary, man. And as depressing or whatever as it is, there are plenty of judges that would rule almost the exact same way as Kavanaugh that don't have 
as many questions about their past. They still don't, they still haven't even seen more than I think seven to 10% of his papers, nothing from when he was working in the W Bush white house. Transparency is a must with all that, you know, with that big of a decision. I go insane at hypocrisy and Mitch McConnell. we, We talk about Trump. We talk about other people. Mitch McConnell is a fucking ghoul who <laughs> gives no shits about anything other than what he's planning to do. You know, out of one side of his mouth, he tells Barack Obama, there is no way you're going to fill this seat in the next 10 months. Oh, yeah. Sure. And and now he's complaining about rushing it through, rushing it through and people not playing fair. And I don't know. I just, he, he is someone that has me trying to find out if I would have to be on like a sex offender registry if I got caught pissing on his grave. (laughs) Cause you know, sometimes if you get caught with public exposure, that, that counts depending on the state. Technically, sure. But, you know, uh, he, I just, I don't know. I've, I still don't wish for his death. He's just such a ghoul. That's, that's why I use that word. And we're in October now. Um, Oh, perfect. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, it's monster season, right? Yeah. And some of the worst monsters are senators right now. And I guess in a way they often have been. I know uh, we recently covered uh, the confirmation movie about the Clarence Thomas confirmation. Uh huh. And it's I well so two of those guys that were uh, cross examining Anita Hill are on the Senate Judiciary Committee today, and were uh, asking Doctor Ford pretty similar questions. So it makes you wonder if there should be term limits. How do how do you feel about that yes. term, term limits for government? Uh, I think term limits are a, are a good thing. This, like I said, I'm scared shitless about the lifetime appointment for these judges. If we don't choose, you know, fair, impartial judges that are mature and know how to conduct themselves and are willing to listen to both sides of every argument, um. I feel that, you know, I hate to say this, but I've got a, I've got a, I've got a concern that the conservative party, you know, I really have always felt like lately they've been hijacked by the religious right and the quote unquote moral authority, uh, self-ordained, I should say, moral authority. <laughs> and I'm really, really worried right now about Roe versus Wade being overturned because you start taking away a woman's right to her own health. <laughs> Man, you're really opening up the can of worms. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's not going to stop abortions. It's just going to stop safe abortions. That it never will. Just like it, having all these drugs illegal has not stopped one person from getting high, ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I, know, I know a few people that like to do it more when it's illegal. I've got one friend that said, well, fuck, man. They're legalizing weed in all these states. I'm pretty bummed out. I'll have to quit smoking now. <laughs> I want it to be an outlaw. <laughs> Hopefully they'll be able to get by growing because I know in my state or my state in my state, we are 
technically legal for medicinal marijuana right now. Okay. Uh, our dispensaries were supposed to open in September, but as everything government shit got held up and the first harvest isn't due until November or December. Well, you're you're in Ohio, right? Yes, sir. Okay, well, I'm in Texas, so how the fuck do you think I feel? <laughs> oh. We'll be the last. <laughs> Us in Louisiana will be like the fucking... We'll be, we'll be, our rotting corpses will be dragged across the finish line. Uh, you'll probably beat Mississippi. <laughs> and you know what the irony is, is that almost all the cocaine and weed and heroin is coming up through our borders, <laughs> whether we like to admit it or not, no matter how tall the walls are that we build. <laughs> Those prototype walls weren't, aren't even working. You know what? I haven't tests. even heard, Darren, I haven't heard anything about the walls lately. Have you? I, the only thing I heard recently about it, other than there was a report in, uh, either Politico or NBC that tests of the prototypes for the walls proved that they're not effective was Trump using Twitter as he does angrily asking where the provisions and funding for the wall were in the budget bill put forward by his party's Congress, which confuses me because I was made to believe that America wasn't going to have to pay for it. You knew better than that. Didn't you? (laughs) I, I never for one second thought that I actually thought he was going to be more effective in making his shit dreams reality because presently the GOP controls the House, oh, Senate, yeah, that's and the true. White House. Yeah, but fortunately, at least a few of those people probably have brains, or at, li- or at least listen to their constituents constituents enough to understand that they fucking better if they want to get reelected. Yeah, you would you would think so. Speaking of which, there is a big election going on in your state right now. I'm sure there's many more, but one that more people are aware of outside of Texas, I have noticed. Is... Oh, Beto. Yeah, Beto versus the uh, the Zodiac Killer. The Crypt, the crypt Keeper. <laughs> right wing Eddie Munster. Or no, that's oh, Paul God. Ryan. Oh, yes. Um, oh, wow. No, I'll, I'll buy that too, man. <laughs> Ted Cruz looks more like Grandpa. Grandpa Munster. Yeah, who was it that I... I, I kind of thought he looked like a little toad or something myself, but, you know, who, <laughs> whatever. I mean, I, I, I don't mean to blast the poor guy in the way that he looks, but, boy, when he opens his mouth, wow. <laughs> he's he's representing our state? Really? Ouch. Yeah, he's a smarmy bastard. Um... Well, it's a good thing he and everyone, every generation before him, were all born right here in the U.S., Thank God, huh? So he doesn't have to worry about these dirty Mexicans coming up, right? Yeah, he was born in Canada. Oh, he, yeah, he, Canada, that's even worse. Jesus Christ, <laughs> dude. Keep those fucking communist Frenchies out of here, man. Come on. Yeah, I think, uh, I think his dad is a Cuban refugee. So obviously he's all for refugees. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he was born in Canada, even though he is part of right the birther movement i don't even know where do you know where beto was a state representative for uh, i'm sure there's a lot of congressional districts but he first came on my radar when he started running for senate 
you know what? My mom could tell you everything about him because she's very passionate about about him right now. I think she's actually more passionate about trying to kick Cruz the fuck out of there. But, you know, like I said, dude, I consider myself an old school conservative. I, you know, I I like old school conservative ideas, meaning let's take care of what we have and let's save up for our future generations. Um my mom is so liberal that she fucking hated Hillary Clinton so much she refused to vote for her. So she's and and I didn't either, quite frankly. <laughs> I voted for a third party also, but um, I guess we're part of the problem, man. I mean, we we were all sitting there on election night and all of our we had to pick our jaws up from the floor when we heard who won. I guess it's all our faults, man. But God damn it, you got to take a stand sometime. Anyway, yeah. she could tell you all about him. She's she's uh she's enamored with him right now. <laughs> I I did laugh out loud when uh Ted Cruz's campaign said that if O'Rourke is elected, he's going to ban barbecues across Texas. That would be pretty hard to do. I, yeah, that's I, that's yeah. another good luck. <laughs> yeah, the bar the Texas barbecue war would be like the US drug war. And it's right. Just yeah. Just some some people are going to have some non-regulation barbecues. And blow themselves up if you don't let them regulate it. I heard something about that in passing, man. Like I said, I, uh, Darren, I go, I go out of my way to avoid the news as as much as possible. I feel I you. really get. I, I really <laughs> try to. That, that's why I guess. I guess that's why I'm so much into this escapism and sci-fi and horror and all this stuff because I don't want to deal with it, man. I, I, I get you, man. I, you know. But you pay enough of attention. Is well, you, you kind of have to, right? You would think, but there's plenty of people that think you can pay zero attention and everything's going to be fine. Well, I, I, will, I will say this. I've always felt like it was my responsibility. I've, I'm always proud of my country. I'm one who I do choose to stand up and I do choose to put my hand over my heart at sporting events and things like that. But I definitely understand why some people aren't because it's drawing attention to a problem. You know, that's a real problem that, you know, if you don't do something super dramatic, it's not going to get attention. Um, but, yeah, man, all that all that being said, dude, I'm just uh, I don't know, man. America is supposed to be a place where we can have our freedoms and other people don't tell us, you know, what to do. And, you know, you would kind of think we'd be able to keep control over our own decisions and our own bodies and our own families and stuff like that. But, you know, these these neocons just kind of seem to want to. Like I say, side with the with the religious nuts, and you know, take us back to the back to the days of when the church ruled everything. You know, it's yeah. it's a scary thought. It's pulling up that rope ladder once once they've got to where they want to be, and <laughs> toss me the whip. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> throw me the idol. <laughs> it's. Yeah, and uh, I've always just thrown myself in the middle of pain. I actually pay a bit more attention to politics than I did when I was younger, but, you know, the first band I started in high school was a political punk rock band, and it's it's just been at that level. There's just been so fucking much lately. I mean, it used to be a government controversy was the week's news or a couple weeks' news. Right. And now there's about three or four a day. Seems that way, doesn't it? And they and they also they try to numb us by throwing all this other garbage at us, like the Kardashians and stuff like that. And 
you know, God, God forbid this, you know, this fucking idiot that had a reality. I can't remember who it was. Some moron had a reality show where he would have people like, quote unquote, apprentice to become, <laughs> uh, you know, like the next. Well, going back to Willy Walker, man, I guess. And then yeah. he would just get so much uh, so much glee of, of, of pointing and saying, you're fired. <laughs> I don't remember who it was, but I vaguely remember. I just I'm not a reality TV guy, man. I can't stand it. And scripted reality, and this is kind of where we are and with The Apprentice Show, it does kind of remind me of the current administration where a lot of people are fired. And I, know, I think man. 40, 40-ish positions have, been, have turned over in one year and 10 months as so, of recording. So how can you hope to build anything or get any momentum going when you keep doing that bullshit, you know? Well, I think having three campaign rallies a week and going golfing every weekend is a good start. Yeah, and more, what'd you say, more flags than people at the campaign rallies? <laughs> yeah, at least at the one I saw, I came across. There were <laughs> right? so many, so many flags. And yeah, not, not a whole lot of people. Now, granted, it was Saturday. But it was a Saturday in Washington, D.C. with the keynote speakers are that Sheriff Joe concentration camp Arpeo. Oh, wow. And, wow. And, and the guy <laughs> How that... How low have we sunk? <laughs> yeah. And the Patriot Prayer guy. Okay. It's sort of like... Uh, they, they dabble in... The white supremacist Proud Boys kind of circles, if you've heard of the Proud Boys. Ah, man. Yeah, and I've got to, just from the little bit I've heard, unfortunately, I think it's a little more than dabbling. I think it's just downright pandering. And that and that scares the hell out of me, too, man. You know, I'm fortunate, quote-unquote fortunate enough, I guess, to have been born a white male with a lot of, uh, you know, British and um, Viking background or whatever. But, um... You know, I care about all people, and I'm married to a woman who's Hispanic, and all my kids are Hispanic, and, you know, I, I, <laughs> this uh, race, racism, and I guess a lot of it is the way my mom raised me, but racism probably scares me more than anything else. I mean, it's it's a wild, logicless hate. You know, you never know what it's what it's capable of doing. And it makes no sense. There's zero logic to it there's absolutely no reason to hate someone who's just looks different than you and the same thing with gay rights man it's it, it, people that that say you can pray it away or that you don't have a right to live that way or well i don't want my kids to see two guys kissing or whatever well you're in fucking america <laughs> supposedly we're a free country people should be able to do whatever they want to do yeah consenting adults man i'm not a religious person I never really have been a religious person, but I was raised Catholic and I've read a couple different uh, religions, Bibles, and I've taken theology classes and all that stuff. But it's, you know, I, I know a, a lot about this Jesus guy that the Christians say that they adore. And I think that he would be all about people loving each other and taking care of the poor I think I heard some some stories about him using magic and healing the sick. So he might be into that and, you know, making sure there's enough food for everybody. 
and this government killed him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, dude. Yeah, basically the entire second half of the the Bible that we know as uh, people who were brought up as Christian was, was, was all about that, man. All right, all right, guys. I know my dad did some pretty shitty things. I know there was a flood. I know he fucked with you. I know, you know, I know he was trying to get you all into line. But Pillars and salt what? and all that. <laughs> you know what? Put go ahead and just crucify me. Make me the center of, of of all punishment, and you guys can just roam free and love each other. Now, how fucking hard would it be for us to follow those simple instructions? Well, you know. <laughs> Sounds like people are, are using uh, Christianity to just be assholes. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of ten things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these ten things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all powerful, all perfect, all knowing and all wise. Somehow just can't handle money. Yeah, that pisses me off more than anything else, man. I, I was brought up uh, Lutheran, which is very close to Catholic. We had a lot of the same uh, prayers and things like that. But uh, you know what? I hate to say it, man, but I won't even go to church anymore. There's just too much hypocrisy. I can't be a part of it anymore. You know, that's yeah. But you still you're still probably a bit more of a spiritual person, even though you're not into organized religion. You know what? I kind of I, I, I want think you know and this may be the completely naive uh, schoolboy in me um, but i want to think that uh each religion kind of follows the same path and that there's a god and like a, a a son of god i don't see any daughters of god in the books which means a lot of men wrote this shit but <laughs> uh if you think about it you know i guess like muhammad buddha jesus they were kind of all in the same path um you know but nobody's nobody's following that right or the few who are are probably cloistered away in uh you know uh, wherever the monks go to live or whatever and cut off from the world and not influencing anything but but maybe in a way they are because they've got me thinking about it and hopefully they have other people thinking about it but uh i don't know man yeah religion's always been used as a tool to fuck with people and that really pisses me off yeah and that's that's like a snowpiercer the tra the engine that's they right the almighty engine, all hail. <laughs> all hail the mighty engine. Wilford is wise. Wilford is merciful. Wilford is Willy Wonka. Yes. Curtis is Charlie. <laughs> you yep. really got me thinking, dude. I didn't even <laughs> think about any of that. Okay, so the first time uh, that I saw Mother last year, Oh, you know yeah. how much I, you know how much I love that movie. So the entire first watching, I didn't get any of the religious allegory. I kind of did. I sort of got the Cain and Abel vibe from the two brothers. Yeah, but I definitely didn't realize that it was literally acting out the entire Old Testament and New Testament of the Christian Bible. Man. Some things are much more obvious or 
click faster and but yeah it wasn't even until it was over and then it's like oh yeah it's fucking amazing (laughs) like oh shit yeah this is this and that and oh it's over oh that thing over there and yeah i i've been meaning to sit down and give it another watch um it is currently, I believe, on Hulu and possibly Amazon Prime, and I own it. But right. yeah, it's man, and I think that <laughs> um, what Jennifer Lawrence was married to the director. Yes, that's right. He he tends to marry his lead actresses, doesn't he? I I believe doesn't he have so. A history of that, I think he's done that a couple of times now. And, I could be wrong. And he will probably do it again before too long because. I believe they broke up after the movie came out. Yes, I did hear that. But yeah, that that's a hell of a movie. But yeah, uh, Wilford. Okay, so the people uprise. They find out more about how they've been kept in check with lies and false right. power. And uh, was the the drug Chronal, which you're talking about the yeah. pacification of society. Right, and that's kind of odd, too, the way that they used that. They were saving it. I thought they had a hidden agenda, but I didn't know they were saving it to put it all together and make uh, basically dynamite out of it. And that yeah. kind of goes goes to the quote-unquote terrorists that we talk about now, right? Is there a tie-in with the opium and Afghanistan and the Middle East? I don't know, man. Maybe I'm going way too far out on that one. Graphic novels, since this is, comes from that, and I haven't read that, but... I feel like graphic right. novels really, especially and sci-fi, likes to draw influence from all over. Well, yeah, look at the original uh, Star Trek with all the Vietnam stories and 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 racism stories, right? Yeah, horror. I feel like horror and sci-fi have often had more messages, more political or sociological messages than some other genres, and maybe that's just way a lot of the people that are drawn to making the more you have, you have more freedom with the underground, less mainstream sort of fair. You don't have to be into criticizing Reaganomics and 1980s America and wealth disparity to like they live. (laughs) Oh, wow. What another classic movie. Have you guys covered that one? Not yet. It's my favorite Carpenter movie of all time, man. And Carpenter, man, Carpenter is super political and he loves Westerns. He wanted to make Westerns before he got into horror and sci-fi and shit. No shit. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, I think the one of the first movies he tried to make was was like that. That's why Jack Burton is like John Wayne. Makes um, sense. Yeah. You know, he's, I think he said something about it here and there. I'm, I'm reading a book right now that's about... Polanski and Carpenter and Craven and coming up in the horror and schlock and exploitation oh, yeah. world. But Carpenter was at a con I I was at with my wife and sh- and she asked him about it. And he said that he when he was making Big Trouble in Little China, he initially wanted it to be a Western. Kind of makes sense. It sort of has that vibe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's It's got it's got all that influence. So, yeah. Um, tangents aside, I have lost my train of thought again. Speaking of trains, Snowpiercer. (laughs) (laughs) We will take a short break, play maybe a song, maybe a promo, who knows, but we will be right back. 
you're traveling through another dimension. A dimension of not only film and sound, but mind. A journey into an auditory movie review adventure that must be experienced to be believed. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Doomsday Clock. You can extract the Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock podcast by either searching for W-Y-C-H on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. So prepare yourself. The podcast ice is gonna break! Like, just to like say hi, my name is, um, you're listening to Scott and Liam vs. Evil. Say that again. Scott. It's just introduce yourself, you're listening uh-huh. to Scott and Liam vs. Evil. Scott and William vs. Evil. Liam, Scott and William. Scott and William. Liam, like L-I-A-M. Am I not saying that? William. 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 No, it's just like, no, L-I-A-M. Yeah. Liam. <laughs> Sorry, I am jet lagged. These lights are not helping. Uh, Scott and Liam versus Evil. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's cool. Um, I thought you were spelling out the end of William. That's <laughs> okay, I got it now. Okay, ready? Yes. Hello, this is Amanda Fuller, and you are listening to Scott and Liam versus Evil. We aren't listening yet, but you should be. We are Scott and Liam versus Evil out of Glasgow, Scotland. In each episode, we take you on a drunken trip through the best, the worst, and then between picks from horror cinema. Well, at least we try to. You can find us online at scottandliamversusevil.com. So join us as we bear our souls everywhere good podcasts are available. Or the pub. Up in the morning and out to school, mother says there'll be no work next year. What's the golden rule? And now just pieces of paper Just because you're better than me Doesn't mean I'm lazy Just because you're going forwards Doesn't mean I'm going backwards
21, you're on top of the scrappy But 16, you were top of your class All they taught you at school was how to be a good worker System has failed, you don't fail yourself Just because you're better than me Doesn't mean I'm lazy Just because you're going forwards Doesn't mean I'm going backwards All right, we are back and we are we talk a little politics, but we're actually also talking Snowpiercer, right? Yep, I think so. I think one you know one goes with the other, but I think where we last left off with the movie, they had made their eventual break for it. They freed the guy that was in the host. Have you seen the host, the Korean uh, horror movie? I thought same director. Same director, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like either you and I have talked about it, or you did an episode on it. We uh, we did. We covered we covered the host uh, a couple of mu- couple of months ago, man. We sure did. Some some kind of early uh, Korean uh, CGI in there. <laughs> it was it wasn't super early, but I, I I enjoyed it. But I thought the CGI took me out of it a little bit. We, we talk about that on our podcast a lot, <laughs> in, case, in case everybody listening doesn't know. We're not the biggest CGI apologists, that's for sure. I wonder if it would fare well like The Mist did with the black and white viewing. Oh, I bet that makes a huge difference, man. That makes a lot of sense, because you leave more to the imagination that way. It's not as in your face, right? You know, it, it makes up for the less impressive CGI. Because I know a lot of people that like both versions of The Mist, the color, and I guess it was originally intended to be black and white. Right. I know a lot of people that only like the black and white version for that specific reason. So, yeah, there there was some stuff with the host that I think might be more impressive, looking more like an old school Korean monster movie. Yeah, could could very well be. I I enjoyed the film and the storyline, but like I said, some of the graphics took me took me out of that one a little bit. Lower budget practical effects will always get more forgiveness from me. Let me let me ask you this, uh, Darren: Are you by any chance a Terry Gilliam fan at all? Yeah, Time Bandits and Brazil. Absolutely, yeah. The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. <laughs> yes well, that's one of my uh, wife's it, favorites of his was it was it eight monkeys or seven monkeys i can never can remember how many monkeys it was but I, the one where brad pitt was all cockeyed 12 monkeys 12 monkeys you got it <laughs> <laughs> the reason i ask you is because did you get a gilliam feel to this snow piercer at all like when they were going through some of the middle cars like the uh where they were, the ladies were getting their hair done and as you mentioned before, the schoolroom part. Yeah, the schoolroom and the the drug den. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I was right in the middle of a fucking reptile zoo. And somebody was giving booze to these goddamn things. It won't be long now before they tear us to shreds. Uh, sir. You Tell me about the fucking golf shoes. Jesus God Almighty, look at that bunch over there, man. They've spotted us. 
the dirt on everybody. Well, except for the people further up on the train, but yeah, oh, the, the yes. dirt on everybody's faces and their Gil- clothes. Gilliam, Al- Gilliam always used that dirt on the on the faces, didn't he? The unwashed masses, right? Yeah, yeah. Now that you say it, I totally recognize it in a bunch of places because yeah, the the hair salon and the dance party uh-huh. could have all been in Brazil or. A ter- it could have been in ter- any Terry Gilliam movie. They they did run through like a little medical car, but I'm very surprised they didn't go through like a breast augmentation car or a uh, stretching back of the face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about with Catherine Hellman. Which which one was that? Well, that was Brazil. That I was think. Brazil. The <laughs> yeah the 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 sexy mom or grandma yes. from uh, yeah. Oh, man, I kept expecting to see that. But, yeah, I got a Gilliam vibe big time on this. The Meaning of Life, Part 5. Live Organ Transplants. Yeah. And I think he's fairly political, isn't he? Wouldn't you say? He is, but you never know where he's going to go. So, yeah, uh, Terry Gilliam, this would be a great double feature with Brazil. It kind of would be, wouldn't it? I didn't catch that the first time I saw it, but on this watching, I definitely picked up on that. Yeah, and there's that that cartoonist guy. Uh, right. That would, that would probably be played by Terry Gilliam if he did this. Because <laughs> right. um, I think he played the cartoonist that dies in Monty Python's Holy Grail, isn't he? Uh, wow, when they're, when they're getting chased through the cave and then there's like, and then suddenly the animator had a sudden heart attack. And... Oh, man, you're really going back now. <laughs> that would make sense. But yeah, he Isn't would probably he... play that guy. Tangent time, man. Since, yep. we're, since the, the sky's the limit, right, on what we can talk about. So I'm a Texas boy, so you know I own a couple of guns, right? I and I imagine. do. I've got, a, I've got a shotgun and I've got a handgun, although I've never fired the handgun. I inherited it from my dad. So I'm all, I'm, I'm all about gun rights within reason because I think it kind of helps keep, uh, keep us from being invaded. And I think it, it also might avoid a few fights because if people think you may have a gun they may be less likely to try to approach you with a baseball bat but does anybody can anybody at all justify for me why we need to have any sort of automatic weapons whatsoever in the hands of common people i've been trying to figure it out you know i'm i'm a little bit more i have complex views on guns i've fired guns i have owned guns in the past you know Restrictive huh? is cool, man. I, I I respect that. I it some some days I think that nobody should have them. I've always been more like what the Second Amendment was ratified in 1791, 1792, something like yeah, that. Yeah, kind of a different kind of a different world, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, any and I don't even think everybody should own a cannon. But yeah, I don't think it I don't think that law really necessarily protected individuals to own them. I think it protected more like people to give people the right to create their own local army to yeah, fight it, off people that were coming in to fuck with them. It was largely set up for that and a lot of the southern states liked it to help maintain slavery. Oh man. Cuz you could yeah. have your slavery patrols. Right. Now um, that makes that makes perfect sense that they would think that way. Yeah. So I'm a lot more, yeah, sure, you can have a gun that you can fire one bullet every two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm a, a little bit harder to understand why, you know, people that haven't had military or special training or even untraceable. I, I mean, you can sell those weapons 
at gun shows right now without any sort of mm-hmm. background check. And left and right, people are trying to make it easier for spousal abusers to be able to get guns, which I think is a horrible, a horrible idea. What could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> what could you know, go wrong? If only there were statistics showing that. Yes, if only, right? If only. If only the Congress under Bill Clinton hadn't made it so the CDC could spend money studying these things. Wow. It's, uh, if only the NRA wasn't. Yeah, I've, um, guns have always, maybe it's part of being in, you know, from Texas or whatever, or maybe it's just my family, but guns have, have, have always been a part of our family. And that's why I just kind of randomly bring that up because I didn't know what it was like where you are in Ohio, but there's, there's such a culture here. You know, it's like, uh, you know, my, my granddad owned this shotgun that I've got in my house and then my dad owned it and, and now it's in my house, you know? I have friends whose families have that. Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll buy each other guns as presents or, you know, so-and-so's grandpa brought this back from World War II and and things like that. And those are the responsible gun owners that I know. There's who They're whose houses I'm going to go to in the zombie apocalypse. Well, and a lot of <laughs> a, a, a lot of people I know I know use guns for hunting, and um, I I think that hunting is is probably one of the most honorable ways that you can you know that you can deal with 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 actually having to to kill your own meat. I don't think necessarily that it's that ethical for us to be able to walk into a store or walk into a hamburger store and buy a hamburger that's already made. I, I find that kind of disgusting and unethical, but I don't have the heart to go out and kill an animal, but yet I can eat the meat that someone else killed for me in probably a very, you know, a very mean way. <laughs> Cause those, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I've seen some of those documentaries of, of, of what they do with the chickens that they raise and the cattle that they raise these days and whatnot. And um, I think we would all be better off if we had to go out and actually kill something if we wanted to eat it. And I think that that's uh, – I, I wish I had the guts to do that, man, because ideally I think that's the right way you should have to do it. But when it comes right down to it, it's kind of hard for me to get out there and actually look an animal in the eyes and do it. You know what I'm saying? Am I making any sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I totally feel you. I, I feel like I – I would also, I, I am a, I'm a meat eater. My wife's a vegetarian and yeah, I've known hunters. I remember in elementary school, we did a Thanksgiving where all the, everybody whose parents was a hunter brought in meat and stuff. And I thought that, that was cool. And I, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder to find, but it's a lot easier than it is nowadays is I pretty much get all of my meat from small family farms. Oh, that's great, man. And Probably eating a lot healthier that way too, quite frankly. Oh yeah, so many less, so many less, way fewer ingredients on the list, and mm-hmm. you you have a better idea of how the animals are treated, and food tastes better. I think it's just more expensive because it it's harder to do than the sure. chickens with their legs crushing under their weight, twenty cages tall sort of thing. But I'm lucky enough to be able to pay extra money that i'm still eating an animal that i haven't killed but they weren't 
necessarily tortured sure before they were killed and yeah literally tortured that is true man i also have a similar thing with trophy hunters especially trophy (laughs) hunters of endangered species Um, oh wow yeah there's just no need no need for that man it makes no sense or kind of kind of kind of takes us back around full circle to uh predator huh yeah you know predator (laughs) is in a way yeah he's he's like the the trump kids or jimmy john sure <laughs> <laughs> that's right or the bitch that killed the giraffe or whatever and took a picture in front of it right yeah or sickening yeah. man it's it's like the people that say they need a machine gun for hunting Predators, dude. Predators, weapons. Unnecessary, man. Takes all the sport out of it, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to jump on its back from a tree with a knife in your teeth, but, Mm -hmm. you know, if you can't get it in a couple shots, maybe just get better. Yeah. Or try something else. Yeah. Uh, Go grab some some berries and eat them, right? Yeah. Some some of the things that people like in Snowpiercer that people will waste or take for granted. But in the other way, hunting is regular hunting, food hunting and whatnot and hunting season with limits and uh, constrictions on, you know, what you're allowed to shoot. They have sort of a ecosystem thing going on in Snowpiercer where they are cold and cruel. And there's that guy they really see the guy that almost looks like John Voight or something like that. <laughs> right. That seems to really fucking enjoy his job. Enjoy it. Yes. A little too much, right? Yeah. But they count. I, I When he stood back up after I thought he was dead, I uh-huh. thought that that was going to come into it with, uh, well, you counted one too many people because they've got the clicker and there's just said, OK, 78 percent of you have to die. That's crazy, man. <laughs> and it's it's a simplified, I mean, things are getting, resources are limited and people are not. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're trying to stay at the front of the train, at grinding up, cock, like, I don't know, post-apocalyptic cockroaches. Whatever they could find, right? Yeah, and just here's your bar enough to stay alive, enough to stay useful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get my hair done, go to the <laughs> the techno club and roll around in a <laughs> bathtub with my hallucinogenic explosives. Right. <laughs> I guess maybe that's the fizzy lifting drinks area where it's kind of dangerous. Right. And you could end up you get could end up getting cut up by the fan, but uh <laughs> yeah, like the guy gets thrown into the gears and you fight through the the hatchet the night vision hatchet fight was really rad. Oh, that was awesome, dude. Yeah, that was fucking incredible. Huh? It was like watching a video, play, being in a VR video game, wasn't it? 
uh, it made me think of uh, the the hammer fight in Old Boy also. Ah, makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, with Tilda Swinton standing in the back with her mm-hmm. jacked up tooth and her self persevere self preserving attitude towards her masters and whatnot. She- she was Anne Rand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get to Willy Wonka. We get to him in his office. This is where it starts to be. Well, you know, he wants him to take take over the chocolate factory. He wants right. him to be okay with the random death of a child for the greater good of the world. Uh, like Willy Wonka does. Uh, but although Willy Wonka tended to pick the more vile children as you know raw dolls seem to hate nasty kids and like nice and smart kids yeah that was that was um that was something where you kind of like you, it was kind of disgusting to see him get killed but it was kind of satisfying at the mm-hmm. same time <laughs> so he he makes it all the way and he finds god or whatever if we're going with the theology of this right the engine and he sees the truth of it all. He sees the, I don't know. The first time I watched this, I thought Ed Harris was full of shit when he was saying that he was working with uh, John Hurt's character, Gilliam or whatever. Yeah, me too, but he didn't seem to be, did he? No. It no. seemed like there was really something going on there. Like, oh, Gilliam, like Terry Gilliam. Wait mm-hmm. a minute. I didn't even think about that, man, until just now. It's all coming I together. I think it's a big nod. Yeah, I think it's a big nod, dude. Really, and I think Tilda, I think Tilda Swinton was Slugworth, but I also think she, in a way, I think she's Anne Rand because you know that real ugly capitalism that Anne Rand used to push. And yet, if you study anything about her background, she got a lot of help coming up, <laughs> kind of like a certain president we have. Yeah, it's oh, funny I'm how self, that works. I'm self-made. I did it all by myself. Sure, you did. <laughs> I I only started out with four hundred million dollars. Okay. Right. If I could do it, you can. <laughs> Pulled myself up by your bootstraps, wrapped around your throat. Yes. So you know what? We picked a really great movie, dude. This there there's a lot of levels here, man. Yeah, man. I like the okay the ending. Okay, we've mm-hmm. we've got to. They think they think that the Earth is turning around. The guy has been watching the snow disappear from on top of a plane. Hopefully, it's not just the wind uncovering Hopefully. it because he's yeah, taking. I kind of thought about that for a minute too, but that was the <laughs> that was the pessimist in me, which sometimes gets bigger every day in me. As uh, Matt fight, Damon fight, as Brett, fight, man. we all got to try. I'm still hopeful. I'm still hopeful. As Brett, as uh, Matt Damon playing Brett Kavanaugh would say, I'm a kegs half full kind of guy. Dude, that was a great that was a great skit. I have to tell you, I've watched that tangent time again. I've watched every single episode of Saturday Night Live from the very first one on, man. I swear to God, I haven't missed a single episode. Now, some of them I had to go back and watch on like a videotape later in some of the early seasons and stuff like that. Um, for at least the last ten or fifteen years, I've like DVR'd every single. As long as we've had DVR technology, I've DVR'd them all. And I used to watch them. I like I lived. I was a geek, dude. <laughs> Didn't have a whole lot of dates and stuff. Okay, so my Saturday night was waiting until uh, 10:30, when the fucking news that I hated even then finally was over, and I got to watch Saturday Night Live. So I've never missed one. But I've got to tell you, man, 
this group that they've got now, I really wish they had changed a lot of the talent. I'm I'm not super happy with this group, man. I love that opening, um, that opening scene, but I thought it went downhill from then. What do What do you think about the current the current group? I can't really speak with much authority on them because for the for the most part the last few years i've really only watched the political segments yeah like basically the opening uh the the opening skit and then the news right yeah yeah pretty much which are the far and away the two best parts of the show but i i hardcore watched when it was you know phil hartman and dana carvey and then i went back to the you know Fucking John Eddie Belushi, Eddie Murphy. Oh, fuck yeah. Very big. You know, all that stuff. I, they, they've had some stinker seasons, but yeah, I part of the reason why I haven't really watched anything other than the political clips is that I, I don't really see anybody on there otherwise that I feel the drive to watch when I've got other things I can be watching. Well, they did have, uh, in their defense, they did have, con- I'm sorry, they did have yay. Oh, We're right. going to make America great again, Cap, at the end. I heard he got booed during his speech he did after that. Well, are you surprised? No. Yeah, so they... Uh, Charlie is offered the chocolate factory. He thinks about it. You know, there's that moment where he pushes... I don't know who the the girl would be. Down for a second, and it's 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 like, oh no, is he has he gone dark? Right. And then explosion, avalanche. Apparently, everybody fucking dies except for the daughter and the little boy who was turned into a pipe cleaner for a period of time. Well, maybe, but I I, I didn't catch that they were that clear on that that every that everybody died. You know, they they weren't. I, I'm not, you know, and and that and that and that I think that might be the final message, Darren, is that they were. We may live in a world that we are being told what our parameters are and, 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 and how far we can go and what's really out there and what our what our options are. And we're just stuck with it. So let's just deal with what we've got, make the best of it for today. Fuck the fuck our children, fuck our grandchildren, fuck the next generations. Let's just go ahead and clean up with what we can right now and, and, and take whatever we can now and steal, rob the earth of all its resources because this is all there is. There's nothing out there. There's nothing else outside. And maybe that's what they're saying at the end, is that if we would just be a little bit conservative in the right way and take care of what we actually have and actually put money into exploring what else could be out there, there may be a chance for us as a human species to survive. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off, man. And if not, then the polar bears will take it back like they've got up there. And, and that's cool. And that's cool too. Maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and I think unless we keep going on, that is a great way, great place to end this episode with a bit of advice and a little bit of hope. Yeah, dude, don't give up, man. We're going through some dark times right now, man. It's like reality TV 101, but it this too shall pass. It's sweeps week. Uh time to register to vote in the next election is rapidly approaching. It may have even passed where you are by the time you hear this episode, but mm-hmm. 800,000 people registered to vote on national voter registration day. And that's a record of 
since it was kept track of. Uh, for comparison, a little over 700,000 registered in 2016 was the highest, most oh, recent wow. highest. Very nice, man. So people are starting to or take notice then. Yeah, and you know, I, I want to hope that most of them think the same way that I do, but I really think that the more people... America has such a low voter turnout. That's the problem. That's the problem, man. I think it's our, I think it's our responsibility to vote. You know. Yeah, it's it, it. My vote doesn't matter. Says the majority of people that could make it matter if they voted. That's just the problem. It does matter. Every single vote matters. But if you don't do it, you know, <laughs> you've already given up before you've even begun. So think about that. Think about exiting the train. Take a cautious step out onto the snow, and. <laughs> We could still do something. Thank you so much, man. Uh, if you want to tell any plug your group or anything that you haven't talked about yet, please do. And then we will say thank you and goodbye. Oh, man. Thank you for having me on, dude. We we run around in a lot of the same circles, Darren. So, you know, just, just search for the horror returns. The main thing I like to do is get people in our group. And uh, that was actually your idea. I'm giving you the credit for that because we had started the Facebook group and then you, uh, I think you messaged me and you said, Hey, have you guys uh, thought about doing a, uh, discussion group? And I'm like, no, dude, we could do that. <laughs> we could actually do a discussion group on Facebook. Well, yeah, just create one. <laughs> so I get so much fun out of that. And I, and I promise you, if you put something on our, uh, the horror returns, Facebook, uh, group, I promise you, we will absolutely read it on the air, and uh, we'll be interactive. We'll talk about it. So, uh, yeah, thanks thanks for that idea, Darren. I appreciate that, man. Oh, man, I'm happy to help any way I can. You've got a rad show. I will say this. Um, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Um, you're 100% welcome to come on our show anytime. In fact, I hope you pick a, you know, pick a topic at, at some point in the very near future, like by the end of the year. If you want me to set a deadline <laughs> for you. <laughs> I think I'm actually on your calendar. Uh, which one? Which for show? November. I think we're doing Deathgasm and a couple other movies. Holy fucking shit. If it's New Zealand, I'll bet you, because Brian puts all the shows together. Like I was saying earlier, um, Phil does all the editing now, which is awesome because he's a great editor. Brian is in charge of putting all the shows together, and I'm pretty sure that you are talking about, okay, if it's New Zealand week, are we also going to do what we do in the shadows? What we do in the shadows, death goes home, and dead alive. <laughs> yeah, and I've never seen that one, dude, so Ooh. I can't fucking wait. <laughs> oh, man, I all can't right, brother, wait. you're in. Okay, fucking A, dude. All right, and by the same token, um... I could easily sit here and talk with you three, four, five, six more hours on this show. <laughs> How about we'll just have you come back? We'll figure it out, man. But uh, what we have to look forward to right now is New Zealand week for sure. Yes, sir. All right, uh, badass. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Check and see what's in those protein bars they give you. You don't have to be a fucking shoe. <laughs> um, don't forget to duck and cover.
Is this a hell? 